Oh, okay, great things happening, and thank you. Thank you for uh, all the prayers and uh, good things happening, not only in churches on the other side of the world, but right here. It's June, and that marks the month of anniversary for Bethesda Christian Church. Did you know Bethesda opened its doors in June of 1934? So that's 88 years ago. So we celebrate that this uh, month. It's, uh, you know, we have a great, great legacy and heritage here at a church that was birthed by the Holy Spirit. We heard a word about uh, the Holy Spirit and unity. And, you know, this church has roots that go back to just a small, small group that was united because the Holy Spirit had moved on the hearts of uh, some people, and, and the founding pastor, M.D. Beale, she was filled with the Holy Spirit. The story is that she was next to the stove in her home, and the Spirit of God moved on her, and then she talked to others, and they sat by their stoves too, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit as they prayed because that's what they had heard, but they got into God's Word. They learned more, started a church in an old tire store at Nevada and Van Dyke, which uh, was Bethesda's home as it grew for uh, 50 years. And uh, we've been out here in Sterling Heights for 30 plus years. Great, great heritage celebrated this month. We're so grateful. God's hand is still moving. The Holy Spirit's still active. I was talking with some pastors earlier in the the week, and this subject of the, the cessation or the stopping of the gifts of the Spirit came up. And it was a great conversation among these pastors because even though we might have been from a little different backgrounds in our Christian life and some were denominational pastors, we all agreed on one thing. The Holy Spirit has not stopped giving gifts. No, he didn't cease. The Spirit of God is still moving and active and alive, and we're grateful for that. And... Uh, I am grateful. I'm grateful for the Spirit of the Living God who is with us, and uh, we're we're uh, just pressing in on Him to help us as we go to another part of the world, into Poland, and work with these uh, refugees, mostly women and children, who have been displaced from their home. Why? Because of the tragedies of war, and. War is terrible, it, it leaves indelible, terrible marks, and uh, these are the tragedies of war, that families would be displaced. Three million people have moved across uh, the border from Ukraine into Poland, and they're moving into other uh, parts of the world as well. And this morning, I want to touch on a Jewish man who was uprooted, because of the tragedy of war. He was uprooted. His nation was conquered. He was taken as an exile to another country. And I, I, we heard a word last week. If you were here in the service, we heard a word from the Lord about, uh, about dry bones. And the prophet who spoke that word uh, was touched on uh, his name was Ezekiel, and I want to talk a little bit about this man this morning. But 
I'll give you a little history, a little background. If you don't know much about them, we flip through our uh, Bible and we might read these prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, but these were real people and they had real stories. Ezekiel had a story and it was from the nation of Israel. He was part of the nation of Israel. Israel rose in prominence years before, decades before Ezekiel was even born. They had kind of a golden era. They came up through three kings, first Saul and then David and Solomon, and the, the kingdom was expanded. But after Solomon, there was a fracture in Israel, civil unrest. The nation split. There was a north Israel and a south the northern kingdom was called Israel. It was the larger portion. The southern kingdom, though, kept Jerusalem and the temple, and it was called Judah. If you read through your Old Testament and you see words of prophecy to Israel, it's really meaning the northern kingdom. If it's to Judah, the southern kingdom, because these two uh, kingdoms had been separated, and from time to time they battled each other. It was not really good, brother against brother. Both kingdoms had rejected God, too. They turned to idol worship. They had turned away from the true and the living God. And both of these kingdoms were conquered, ultimately judgment uh, by God. Uh, the Assyrians came into the northern kingdom about 712 B.C., and they conquered. And then the south, to Judah, they hung on for a little over 100 more years, about 130 in total, uh, but Judah finally fell to the Babylonians who conquered. But the Babylonians, they came in waves. They, uh, over uh, about 20 years, actually, the first wave came about 605 B.C. The Babylonians came into Judah. They took the best and the brightest people, people like the prophet Daniel, who went to live in the, 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 the main city of Babylon, and he became part of the, the leading uh, Group, the, he, he was taken in as a leader because he was so wise. Then a second wave of capturing and conquering came to Judah about 597 B.C. And in this time, they took most of the able-bodied people. They left the people who really couldn't do much work. The able-bodied were taken back to the outskirts of Babylon to work. And people that went that time were people like the prophet Ezekiel. Then a third wave about 10 years later, 587 B.C., and the Babylonians came and they just wiped out the rest of Jerusalem. Ah, they left a few people who were completely lame and couldn't really do much. They destroyed the city, burned the temple down. And uh, then Jerusalem laid in ruins for years and years. It was in that second wave, though, that um, I want to just expand on a little bit. That second wave where the workers mainly were captured and that's when this young man, his name was Ezekiel, was taken from Judah, his homeland. He's about 25 years old. And we know that because Ezekiel was very detailed when he wrote. He wrote dates. He wrote months and days. And he talked about, I've been in captivity since uh, the King Jehoiakim has been in exile for 12 years. He, was, he, he marked it. So we know, and we've got Good details. So he was about 25, studying to be a priest when he was captured. Think about that. You're studying to be a priest in your homeland, and then suddenly, whoosh, life changes completely. He was captured, taken away. Life was completely uprooted for this young man. He was taken as an exile to a city very far from his homeland, and it was called uh, Tel Aviv. 
And he was put uh, in this city by a river called Kavar, outside of Babylon. And he was put to work with all the other able-bodied workers where they were diggers. They would dig irrigation channels for the main city of Babylon. So this river was sort of diverted and brought around. They needed water in the city. They needed irrigation. So that was his job, basically a ditch digger. And uh, five years into his captivity, we read in the first chapter of the book of Ezekiel, he tells us, in my 30th year, uh, and he calls himself a priest. That's when priest uh, came of age. He was 30 years old, and he said, God came to him. God moved upon Ezekiel. He had a great vision, this amazing vision of God on his throne. And it was just the brilliance and the glory of God, lightning and uh, uh, all kinds of color and radiance and angels and fire. I mean, it was an amazing, an amazing vision. And in it, he heard the voice of God. It caused him to fall down upon his face. God said, Ezekiel, I am giving you my word to give to the people. But he didn't just say to the people. He said to the obstinate and the stubborn people. How's about that for an assignment? You want that assignment? You go out there and you Hey, you got my word? No, it's not going to go easy. You get to give it to obstinate and stubborn people. They've revolted against me, God said. This was not an easy task. The vision and the assignment, it left Ezekiel stunned. He was stunned. He said his heart hurt. And he was stunned, really didn't say much for seven days. Well, God continued to speak to this young man. And over the course of the next seven years, God gave Ezekiel more difficult assignments, very hard messages. Very graphically, he was to describe uh, Judah's rebellion and how they had turned against God and how they had rejected him. And he was not only told to speak God's word, but he was told, you need to act it out. You need to perform my word in front of the people. It was sort of strange, kind of bizarre. The people thought he was really weird. But through all this kind of strange and bizarre ways, God was telling him it was to capture the people's attention. Ah, but they didn't listen. As strange as it was, they continued to reject Ezekiel's message. He'd bring primarily these warnings to the people of Judah. There were times, however, when Ezekiel would even bring a message to the nations that were around them. Even he had a message to Babylon. But primarily it was for these rebellious, stubborn people who had rejected God and now they were exiled in another land. Ah, you people of Judah... This is the word of God. You've, re you've rejected me and you've been judged. If I could condense down what Ezekiel's message was, this was it. You've rejected God. You've been judged and you've been cast into exile. And you're going to be here a long time. Now repent and turn back to God. That's a theme in the book of Ezekiel. Repent and turn back. Ah, the people would have nothing to do with it. The elders of Judah who were there in exile, you know what they told the people? No way, we won't be here a long time. It's really gonna be short-lived. We're gonna be back in our homeland soon. But Ezekiel told them, no, you're not going home anytime soon. Jerusalem, your beloved city is gonna fall. And it happened. Again, 
Ezekiel gives dates and times. Seven years after Ezekiel began uh, bringing God's word and his warnings, that's when Babylon destroyed Jerusalem, burned the temple. Ezekiel continued to hear from God, though. He heard from the Lord as the days and the years in exile continued. And the messages of the Lord, though they included words of judgment, they began to include great words of hope. Hope for restoration for this nation. And through it all, from that very first vision that Ezekiel received, through all those strange and bizarre ways God said, go out and give my message, Ezekiel remained obedient. He did what the Lord had asked him. Now imagine for a moment, that's you. Imagine for a moment, you're in that situation. You have been uprooted from your community, your home, your family, and now your, your surroundings are just strange. They're totally different. And God has been impressing something on you. Did God impress something on you this morning? Did he impress on you to remain united? Did he impress on you to share his word? He did. And God's impressing that on us. Share his word, his truth. Imagine, though, you're, you're in uncomfortable surroundings and, and everything is different, and yet this is what the Lord is saying. Share my word. Give my word. Tell people, tell others about Jesus Christ. But it's not being well received. People don't want to listen. That was Ezekiel's life. And Ezekiel's life is somewhat an image of our Christian life. Our Christian life is similar to what this man experienced. We are called to share the word of God. Again, you were encouraged in that this morning to speak the word of God. Jesus said to his followers this, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Jesus didn't say to some creation. He didn't say just to the people who are going to listen to you. And really, there aren't that many that want to listen to you. But he said, preach the word. Preach to all creation the good news about Jesus, who is salvation and eternal life. This is the assignment to all of us Christians. That's the Gospel of Mark that puts it that way. In the Gospel of Matthew, we read this thing called the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. Again, not some nations, not just the select. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. This is the mandate of Jesus Christ that we have, and we have a responsibility to share the word of God. But do you know what? It's not always easy, is it? It's not, because we live in the world, and we know, and we have been instructed by the word of God that it's tough in the world. The apostle Paul, he wrote to the church in Rome and he said, do not conform to this world. So we have to be out there in the world, but not conforming to it. Jesus said in John's gospel, chapter 15, you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world. And then he added this, which was kind of hard to hear. Therefore, the world hates you. But even though that's the case, go on out there, make disciples of all nations, 
Preach the good news to all creation. Though they might hate you. Jesus says, go. The letter to the Hebrew church says, we do not have an enduring city here. What's that mean? Our time here is temporary. Where we're at, it's temporary. It's not forever. We are looking for a city that is to come. So in a sense, we're just pilgrims here for a while. We're strangers. We are passing through. Peter, he wrote in his first letter, first few lines. He said, I'm writing to you who are scattered across Asia and Pontus and Galatia. The Christians who had been scattered, they were foreigners and they were strangers in the places that they were now residing. Because of persecution, they'd been scattered. And he wrote, you're strangers and you're foreigners, but he tied that physical reality to a spiritual life. Peter said, be holy. You're strangers and you're foreigners. Be holy among the pagans. Be holy among those who are around you. And live lives that are examples of that holiness. Why? To bring others to Jesus and glorify God. That's why. Even though you're a stranger and you're in an uncomfortable surrounding, it's not always easy to share God's word. And I would say that's just a bit understated. Sometimes we might even be persecuted because of it. Yes, of course we can feel out of place, totally foreign. We can feel opposed, even like the prophet Ezekiel. We might at times even grow weary and tired. And sometimes it might even seem impossible. You know what? Even when it's impossible, or it seems impossible, the mandate from Jesus doesn't change. Preach the good news. Share to all creation. We heard last Sunday this word of God, and it came, uh, and it was about this vision that Ezekiel received. And this word, it can encourage us. I want to revisit this account of Ezekiel. It's in chapter 37, and if you have your Bibles, open to Ezekiel 37. Open up there, I want to read to you and share the first 14 verses. This can be very encouraging for us when it seems impossible, when it seems like you're being opposed, when it seems like you're being oppressed, when you're weary and you're tired and you couldn't care less to share God's word with someone else. Oh, it's not impossible. We can get encouragement from this vision. Ezekiel 37, verses 1 to 14. It says, the hand of the Lord was on me. And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. Now, this was after Jerusalem fell. It was after the people probably had come to the realization, maybe Ezekiel's right. We're not going home anytime soon. And now Ezekiel gets this, this vision from God, and he took him out to this valley that was full of bones. And it says, he led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. 
This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say it. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. This was another amazing vision given to this man, Ezekiel. He was taken by the Spirit to this valley that he described as covered with a great many bones. Just imagine that in your mind. And he said the bones were very dry, this dry and dusty valley just Covered, covered, acres and acres. What a sight. What a sight. Can you imagine being led back and forth among just this, what seems like an old, old graveyard that has opened up and nothing but bones. And then the Lord poses this question. Can these bones live? How could they? They're bones. They've been moldering there for who knows how long. No way. Impossible. These are the answers that that I think I'd have. These are the answers I would expect. But Ezekiel replied, Sovereign Lord, only you know. Ezekiel, he didn't say no way. He didn't say impossible. No, he granted the impossible to the Lord. Lord, you can do it. I don't, you. It's you, Lord. And then God gives him this task, which seems, again, just, he's been given some bizarre and some really strange, very difficult tasks. He's had to, he has had to speak to a stubborn and an obstinate people, but now the Lord says, prophesy to these bones. Whew, what a, what a, really? And what do we read? So I prophesied as I was commanded. Hard task, difficult, a little out of the ordinary, a lot out of the ordinary, but he was obedient. 
God had asked him, he said, I prophesied as I was commanded, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord, live. And they rattled and, and they came together and flesh was put on them, tendons connected the bones, flesh came on them, but they did not breathe. The Lord said, prophesy to the breath again. What do we read? So I prophesied as I commanded, or as I was commanded. He prophesied to the breath. And that word breath, that word breath in the Hebrew, it's, it's ruach. And it's the same word for spirit. It's the same word. Some English Bibles, they put the passage that I read this way. Prophesy to the spirit. Prophesy, O son of man, say to the spirit. Thus saith the Lord God, come spirit from the four winds and blow upon these slain and let them live again. Prophesy to the spirit. Call on the spirit. In his vision, Ezekiel calls on the Holy Spirit. He calls on Ruach, come. And the Spirit entered these lifeless bodies in front of them and they breathed and they lived. And they rose up a vast army. Now this is an amazing vision. And then the vision is explained. It's explained to Ezekiel. The dead bones are none other than Israel. And the Lord is saying, I'm gonna raise you from the dead. I'm going to bring you back to your land. You seem like you're dry. And you got no hope. But I'm going to raise you up and bring back life and put my spirit in you and you will live. And you will live. Why? Because of the spirit. Get the connection there. Life, real life. And I've said it so many times. It's by the Holy Spirit. And there was a literal fulfillment to this prophecy. Last week was Pentecost Sunday, and we talked about that, the day the Holy Spirit was given. We read from the book of Acts chapter 2, where it says it was the day of Pentecost. And in Jerusalem, there was Jews from every nation under heaven. Now, what does that leave out? Nothing. It repeats it actually more than once. Three times you read about all these Jews from around the world that had come to Jerusalem. So now if there was any time that the Jews had been back, here is a great, great line of Scripture that tells us they were back. Jews from every nation under heaven were in Jerusalem. And what happened? The Holy Spirit was poured out. I don't know that there's a better fulfillment of prophecy. It's right there. On the day of Pentecost, God poured out his spirit. 3,000 were born again. They went from death to life. Peter said, repent, turn. Exactly what Ezekiel was saying. And they repented and they turned and they were baptized and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They received true life, eternal life by the spirit of the living God, the spirit, the Holy Spirit. And a vast army rose up, 3,000 that day. A little while later, it was 5,000. And it continues to this day where a vast army for the Lord Jesus Christ, that army that's raised up from the dead. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. But Jesus Christ died on the cross. He gave his spirit to give us life, life eternal and life full because we're passing through here. This is transient. We're going to the city that endures, the city where God is the architect and the Holy Spirit has given us life to get there. Oh, this is, this is what Ezekiel was prophesying. 
And it's come to be. And you know, on that, that, that day of Pentecost where those 3,000 came together, what occurred? There was unity by the Spirit of God. We heard this encouragement this morning. Be unified. You want Jesus to move? Let's be unified. Let's not be divisive. Let's be unified by the cross of Christ and what we share in common. Jesus Christ and the Spirit of the living God. Put all this dissension and nonsense aside. If there's anything like gossip or talk, Get it out of here. Let's be unified for Jesus and go out there and tell, tell others about him and, and be unified by the spirit of the God. Be, be strengthened by that. You have the word of God. You have the word of God. And you have been called to prophesy. And what does that mean? Just share the word of God. Share the word of God. What was the prophet Ezekiel doing? He was a prophet. He's bringing the word of God. You've got the word of God. Go out and share it and bring it to, the, to other people. Bring it to the people who need it the most. They're lost. They're hurting. They are hopeless. And you know, it can happen when you're feeling uncomfortable. When it seems you're a stranger and you're in a foreign place. When you're not being well received. When you're being rejected. Oh, you've grown tired and you're weary. And it just seems impossible. It just seems impossible. It's then that you prophesy, prophesy, share the word of God. We're going to get tested in this. I know. Monday, someone, Monday I was tested and I said to myself, you got to preach to yourself. You just talked to your whole congregation about sharing the word of God and being a compeller. And I bumped into someone who I said, come on in. You should be here. That happened. And then on the phone, somebody I'm talking to that I haven't talked to in years. And I'm saying, hey, where are you? Come on, get into church. You need to be here. You need to hear God's word. On Friday, I was sitting on a bench. A person I never met before in my life. Come up and start a conversation with me. Okay, I'm sitting there going, Lord, please help me. Please help me direct this. I've got to rely on your Holy Spirit. This stranger just came up, struck up a conversation. We had an excellent, great conversation. I was able to at least turn it to the idea of, hey, there is something beyond. There is life in a church. And I got a name. And I think I'll see this person again. What, and I, I'll tell you what, I got to be preaching to myself. I'm sitting on a bench. I didn't want to be bothered. You know, why am I saying that? Ezekiel was instructed to do some really hard stuff. I mean, this wasn't that difficult. We need to do as we are instructed. Do as he was instructed. And what did he do? He called on the Holy Spirit. Come, come Spirit, come Spirit. Now last week I challenged you all. I challenged you to uh, go out and, and, and to compel people in. I used the parable that Jesus taught about the kingdom where the man owned a house and he, he had a, a banquet planned, but all the the invitees, they said, ah, I don't want to come. They made excuses. So he said to his servant, go on out and bring in the lame and the crippled. And the servant went out and did it, but there was still more room. And he said, go out again. Go out on the roadways and compel them in so that my house may be full. And I challenge you to be a compeller, to be out of these walls, to compel people into the kingdom of God so that his house might be full. 
And we are that servant. We are that servant in the house. And the Lord's saying, go out. Even though you might face a stubborn and an obstinate people like Ezekiel did. Ezekiel, who could have grown tired and weary, he could have even said, God, it is impossible. The Lord asked him to dig through a wall. The Lord asked him to lay on his side for 390 days. The Lord asked him to to shake and do all kinds of just things to grasp people's attention. Ah, Lord, that's impossible. Why are you making me go shake in front of people? But what did he say? He didn't say it was impossible. He said, Lord, you know, you know. Maybe these people will live. You know. And the Lord showed him what to do. When it seems absolutely impossible, call on the Spirit. Call on the Spirit. And you can share by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? The dead will live again. Ah, to see someone come from death to life, it's an amazing thing. There's a world around us. There is a world around us, and it is a great many bones. A great many bones. And they are very dry. It's like Israel who had rejected God. And there's so many who are lost and without hope. Will they live again? Our Lord Jesus has called on every single one of us to prophesy, to be obedient to his commission, to be a part of sharing eternal life, sharing the good news with all of creation. Will you compel them in? Will you compel them even into the kingdom of God? Call on the Holy Spirit. Call on the Holy Spirit. Let's stand to our feet and call on the Holy Spirit. I want to say, if, if, if you want some strength, if, if you want to join in to be a compeller to others, oh, you know who makes you feel uncomfortable? You know where you feel strange and out of place? You know where you feel like a foreigner? It's your own neighborhood sometimes. It's your workplace. It's your school. It's the, the other students. It's your coworkers, weirdo. Holy roller, Jesus freak. Come on. Call on the Holy Spirit. Those dead bones can live again. Those rejectors can be acceptors. They need to hear the good news of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Will you call on the Holy Spirit for that? Will you? I'm going to invite you to do that. You want to come up front and and pray? I want to pray. Let's pray. Let's call on the Spirit. God knows what to do. He can give us vision. You might feel overwhelmed, rejected. God, he gave this great vision to Ezekiel. And then he told him what to do. The Lord knows what to do. Call on the Spirit, all of you here, who will join together in unity to be compellers, to be sharers of God's word, to be sharers of the good news. Oh, raise your hands and let's pray. Let us pray. Let's say, come, Spirit. Come from the four winds, Spirit, and help us, God. Holy Spirit, help us and guide us and equip us. Lord, you can do it. Give us what to say. Give us what we need. Equip every single one here who is consecrating themselves to be sharers of the good news, who is dedicating themselves to be callers on others, to compel them into your house that your house might be full. Lord, whatever we need in that very moment. Lord, when we're with someone who is dead and without hope, Lord, that we would bring life 
and life eternal, our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself on a cross and he died and he gave his life. God, bring your spirit. Come spirit from the, uh, the, the four winds and blow through us, Lord, and use us that you might blow through the slain and bring them to life again. Oh God, we commit ourselves to that. Lord, touch all these who have come forward to these altars. Every single one here who's got their hands raised. Everyone online who is saying, I'll do it. Lord, God, by the power of your spirit, blow through them. Touch them. Oh, come spirit from the four winds. Breath. Breathe on us, Lord. Breathe on us and breathe through us that you might breathe in others and bring life. You'd give us the breath and the words to say, oh, Lord, when, when we don't know what to do and when we're overwhelmed, carry us by your living and your Holy Spirit. By your Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord. Yes, Yes, Lord, and we'll love you. We love you and we thank you and we praise you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your living Holy Spirit. God, I pray that today is not just a show before you, but that it's sincere and it's genuine and that we leave here encouraged and empowered by the living spirit that you have given. And we walk out of here, Lord, and you put others before us, others that make us feel uncomfortable, others that might make us feel tired. But God, you're the God of the impossible and you can raise those naysayers to life. Give us the Give us the smile on our face, the countenance of Jesus, to be welcoming, to be loving, and to share the good news. God, I just pray you do it. Bless your people. Bless them. Watch over them. Keep them. Use them. Bring great, awesome testimonies as you give vision and clarity and speak by the power of your spirit. Keep us unified, God. Keep us unified. May we be truly to others the communion of saints. May people see us and say there's something different. They'll know we're Christians by our love for one another. God, I just pray that unity and that love and that bond of peace by the Spirit will be with us and be ours. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this. You're great people. Your people, Lord, your children here who are going out. God, bless them, keep them, use them. I ask it all, Father, in the name of our Savior and our Lord, our great high King, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. If you want to stay and pray and be at these altars, absolutely. Our elders are here. You can get anointing with oil. God bless you.